0: Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live By Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm and have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. You can get all of our programming wherever you like to get your podcasts and uh, listen to it whenever you get a chance to do so. Well, one thing that's very, very comforting, the most comforting thing that uh, we know knowledge-wise, is the fact that God has a master plan by which he is fulfilling His awesome purpose for mankind, with all the uh, chaos and trouble we see in the world, it could be pretty disturbing, but it is uh, wonderful to know that in spite of all of that, God does have a plan that he is working out. And to understand that, we need to understand his holy days. God's plan is revealed by seven annual festivals, and these annual observances give a step-by-step outline of how God is working out his master plan for each person. And each vividly pictures a great event in God's plan. Without God's holy days, we would be very confused about what's really happening in this world. There are a lot of ideas out there, of course, about what's happening and what will happen. But without God's holy days, we don't have a clear picture. Thankfully, God has revealed those days in his word. Notice this quote. This is from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free Bible course, and you can sign up for it at thetrumpet.com. And we recommend that you do so if you have not already. It says, God revealed seven annual festivals with their annual holy days, or Sabbaths, to the congregation of Israel when he began to deliver them from Egypt, before the old covenant was made at Sinai. The holy days were ordained to be observed forever, but Israel, which had no promise of receiving the Holy Spirit, could not understand the spiritual meaning of these annual observances. So Israel had the days, but they didn't understand the meaning. But as pointed out there, and we'll look at this from the Bible, these holy days are to be kept forever. They're to be kept forever, and yet you don't see many people keeping them today. Jesus Christ himself kept them while he was on this earth. And a Christian is to live as Christ did. And Christ kept these holy days The correspondence course says the whole story of God's marvelous plan is to be reenacted year after year by God's spirit-begotten children, spiritual Israel today, his church, through the keeping of God's holy days. The observance of these days reminds them of his great master plan and their part in it. See, we do have great hope because God has a master plan and we have a part in it. Every year we learn more about our part in God's plan by keeping his holy days. And without the holy days, we lose knowledge of what God's great master plan is, our part in it, and what's even going on today in the world about us. God's holy days are essential. Notice this passage in Leviticus 23. We'll look at a few passages today. So if you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out. We can look at these passages together. Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 4, it says, And the Eternal spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Eternal, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. He says in verse 3, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the eternal in all your dwellings. And then in verse four, it says, these are the feasts of the eternal, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. So he talks about the Sabbath here. That's a weekly holy day, of course. But then he talks about the annual ones as well, the annual ones. And so the Sabbath is to be kept weekly, but then there are holy days that are to be kept once a year. And God lays them out here for us. They're all included together. God's holy days are given, and he is the originator of them. That's where they came from. They're his holy days. We read that in verse 2 where he says, these are my feasts. And then in verse 4 where it says, these are the feasts of the eternal. Man did not make them. Man doesn't have the authority to change them. But each person has to decide if they will obey God and keep his holy days, or disobey God and not keep them. That's a choice everyone has to make, but God says, keep my holy days. Now it's important to note that nowhere in the Bible does God say that we can worship him as we choose. Often people will keep pagan festivals, and if it's pointed out to them that they are not biblically based, they'll say, well, but that's the way I worship God. But God doesn't tell us to worship him however we feel like it. He gives us holy days and says, do that. So the only choice is whether we do or we don't. Other things, other ideas that's that's of no value. It doesn't come from the Bible, and it's not God's word. We need to look at God's word and see what days are to be kept, and then choose to keep them. The first festival to be observed each year is Passover. And you see that in verse 5 right here in Leviticus 23. It says, In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. The Correspondence Course says the Passover, the first of God's commanded annual festivals, pictures the beginning, the very first step in God's great master plan of salvation for mankind. The Passover was to be a yearly memorial of God's intervention In delivering the Israelites firstborn from death, it also pictured in advance the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. You can look at 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 and 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19 to see that. But Christ is our Passover lamb, sacrificed for the sins of mankind. So, of course, there's a lot of depth historically and then in our time today and going forward when we consider the Passover. Passover. The quote says, the sparing of the Israelites firstborn from the death angel through the shed blood of the lambs on that first Passover is a symbolic type of our being spared today from eternal death, the penalty of sin through Christ's sacrifice. And you can read Romans 6 and verse 23 to see that that there is a penalty for sin. We need Christ's sacrifice. So the Passover plays a very important part in that. It's essential. It's the first step in God's master plan of salvation. Notice this in Exodus 12. We'll pick up some history here about God instructing them about Passover. Exodus 12, notice the time element, verse 1. It says in the eternal spoken to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, so they're still in Egypt at this point. They have not gone to Mount Sinai yet. And but he's giving them instruction about the Passover and obviously they had to keep the first Passover before They left Egypt. Verse 2, it says, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. So God sets the calendar. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Man, of course, has manipulated the calendar, but then God sets out the actual dates and months. Verse 3, it says, Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house, That's how it was done at that time before Christ came. Verse 4, and it says, and if the household be too little for the lamb, then they could uh, share it. You can read the rest of that. Verse 5, it says, your lamb shall be without blemish. Again, this is picturing Christ. He was perfect without sin. A male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. In the evening. And that's uh, the Passover instruction there to ancient Israel. And this was commanded before Mount Sinai. Verse 24 You shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. Forever. The Passover is to still be kept today. Christ kept it himself. And he showed us how to do it. Ancient Israel. They did it in a certain way, but there's instruction for the New Testament church. And one thing that Christ added was the foot-washing ceremony. You can see this in John 13. Of course, Christ intended for the Passover to continually be kept by true Christians because he kept it. And then he even set an example of how to do it and said, do do as I've done, as we'll see. John 13, verses 1 through 5 It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, and he loved them unto the end. And verse 2, Supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. Verse 4, He rises from Supper and laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. So he does something a little unusual here. Verse 5, After that he pours water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So he was doing something here that was really considered pretty lowly. Usually the servant would wash the feet of the guests. That was done anciently at that time. Today we don't, uh, we don't typically do that, but uh, that was a custom back then. And uh, But that was something done by servants, very, very low job, as it were. But here he is as our Lord and Savior, and he's washing the disciples' feet and setting an example of humility. And notice what he says in verse 14. He says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So this is to be done at the Passover service. That's part of it, foot washing. They didn't do that in ancient Israel, but this is something that Christ instituted. And he is our Lord and Master. And he says, look, I did it. I set you an example. You should do what I've done to you. You should do that as well. Wash one another's feet. At the Passover. Of course, the Passover is to be kept along with all of God's holy days. Christ kept them and then he even gave us more understanding and and, uh, added the foot washing and then also changed the symbols, as we'll see. And Christ really wanted us to keep the Passover and keep it in the way that he wanted us to at this time. So he gave this instruction. If it was to be done away with or not relevant anymore, why would he have kept it? And then further, why would he have given instruction for the future going forward, saying, look, I gave you an example. You should do as I have done. Why would he give the example if it isn't to be followed? Well, of course, it's to be followed. So Christ changed the symbols as well, so that moving forward, we would keep it this way. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29, we see what Christ did here. And again, all of these things he did so that we should follow and do the same. Verse twenty six he says, and as it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take eat, this is my body. So he was showing the you know the sacrifice that he would have. His body would be broken. And we're to remember that, we're to memorialize that on the Passover. Verse 27, it says, And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink you all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So the wine is a symbol as well. It's a symbol of his blood, as he explains. We don't have to guess at what that is. That's pretty clear. When did he do this? Did he do it once a week? No, they did it at the Passover. They did it at the Passover. And he said, I'm setting an example. You do what I do. Wash feet, have the broken bread and the wine, and memorialize Christ's sacrifice." He did not abolish the Passover. Notice this quote from the uh, correspondence course. It just says that exact thing. Jesus did not abolish the Passover. It says, On the contrary, he spent some of his last hours on earth as a man teaching his disciples how to observe the Passover properly. And just use a little logic there. Why would he give further instruction if he was about to abolish it? That would be quite a waste of time. He didn't do that. He set an example and he gave more teaching so that we could keep it properly going forward. It says he had the new symbols. Instead of annually shedding the blood of a lamb and eating its roasted body, we are now to use unleavened bread and wine. Why? Because that's what Christ did. And a Christian follows Christ and uses God's Spirit. The New Testament Passover is to be kept, it says, as an annual memorial of Christ's death. It reaffirms, year by year, till he come, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, the true Christian's faith in the blood of Christ, our Passover. That's in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. For the remission of sins, as symbolized by the drinking of wine. Eating the broken bread symbolizes our faith in the body of Christ. Broken open for our physical healing, Jesus Christ allowed his body to be ripped open in dozens of places, by scourging until he could not even be recognized. And he suffered this torture so that we, through faith in his broken body for us, may have the forgiveness of our physical sins, the healing of our bodies when we are sick. You can see that in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, Psalm 103 verses 2 and 3, and James 5, 14 through 15. It says, in addition, so all that, in addition to the forgiveness of our spiritual sins through his shed blood. And so the broken unleavened bread is a reminder to us that it is by his stripes that we are healed. People don't talk much about healing today, but Christ went through a physical beating to pay the penalty for physical sin. Sickness, death, ultimately, Injury, those things are all a result of physical sin. It could be an accident. It could be ignorance. It could be doing something intentionally bad. But one way or the other, it breaks the laws that keep us healthy and fit. We know we don't live forever physically, but while we're alive, God wants us to be in good health. And there's so many problems that occur because health laws are broken. Christ paid the penalty for that. And when he was on this earth, how many people did he heal? He went around healing people all of the time, if they had the faith, and uh, if they believed him. And of course, he was just and working with them based upon their level of understanding. But he went through all this for us. The Passover is to be kept today. He went through it. He said, I, I've done this. Now, I'm setting an example. You do as I have done. And he was talking about the foot washing, but then he went on to do the rest of it, too. The breaking of the bread, the drinking of the wine, going through that and, and consuming that and taking in that uh, bread and that wine and really, again, remembering and memorializing what he did, what he went through for us, and striving to have the faith that we need in the body of Christ and the faith in the blood of Christ. The remission of spiritual sins. The quote says, As Christ himself commanded true Christians today, observe the Passover on the eve of the day of his suffering and death. That's when they did it. They did it right before he was taken. He was taken then and scourged and then crucified. We're to follow his example. We're to do what he did. And, you know, some people might think, well, this sounds a little mysterious, you know, haven't maybe done this. I kept the Passover, but it's what Christ did. And a Christian is one who follows Christ, lives as Christ did, and of course, we have to be following God's spirit. We need to be following that spirit as it leads us to obey God, and sometimes people will ask, well, what's the exact date for the Passover or any of these festivals that are to be kept every year?" Well, that varies because of the Roman calendar, the correct dates for all the festivals over The next several years are listed in the Holy Day pocket calendar. We have that free at thetrumpet.com as well. You can look it up, and you can see the dates for each year of when these Holy Days are based upon God's Word. And, of course, the Roman calendar moves around. So we have to go back and look at um, God's calendar and make sure that things are being done on the right day. And that information is all at thetrumpet.com. You can look at the Holy Day pocket calendar. It's free right there. And you can download it if you want to or uh, just look at it online. The Holy Days are so important for us. We have an entire book, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which that you need to study and understand to make sure that you're keeping the right days. Because Christ set us an example and he said, now you do as I've done. And we are to keep the Passover and all of God's Holy Days. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God.